Hey, I'm Dr. Ariana Demers. I'm an orthopedic sports medicine surgeon, and I have successfully integrated orthobiologics into my busy practice so that I can provide a continuum of care and treat patients who are in the gap. The gap is this gray area in orthopedics where standard conservative treatments have not been effective, but surgery may not be warranted. And we usually tell our patients, come back when it's worse. What? These are your patients coming to you for help. Orthobiologics is that solution that can fill the gap and help you treat your patients who are in your office looking to you for help. Orthobiologics can also be an excellent treatment for frustrating problems without good surgical outcomes. This podcast will help you create the orthobiologics business that will make you love your job again. We will focus on the value of orthobiologics, patient selection, how to talk to your patients about money, office setup, and other logistics. If this is something you've always wanted but don't know where to start, join me in the business of orthobiologics podcast. Hi, welcome to the Business of Orthobiologics podcast. Today we'll be covering the science of cellular healing. We'll be talking about cellular healing cascade, platelet function, definition of PRP, how PRP works, PRP classification system. To be clear, before we get too far into this, five years ago, my knowledge base on PRP and what it was and how it worked was very small. I thought that you just drew some blood, put it into the magic box, something happened, and it spit out PRP on the other side. I had no idea that there was so much nuance in the field of orthobiologics. And I'd like to share with you some of that information today so that we're a little bit more clear on what we're talking about orthobiologics. So as we all recall, in our science classes, the healing cascade has three stages of cellular healing. Inflammation, which is from time of injury to about four days. Proliferation, which is day three through about day 25. And then the remodeling phase, which is 21 days to six months or greater. This inflammation stage is the initial response to tissue damage. And it's characterized by redness, swelling, warmth, pain. And there's some bleeding that occurs uh, with widening of the blood vessels. They leak and release chemicals called histamine, which eventually allows for other cells that help in the healing, such as white blood cells, to enter the area of damage. The inflammation helps to remove the damaged tissue and then prevent further damage by releasing immune cells and other substances to the affected area. During the proliferation stage, new tissue is formed to replace the damaged tissue. This is accomplished through the production of new blood vessels and proliferation and differentiation of cells, such as fibroblasts and endothelial cells. Fibroblasts surround that damaged tissue and place new immature layers of tissue in a random fashion that is derived from type 3 collagen. This tissue not only begins to then reduce in size over time, but it is weak and collagen type 3 does not have the same tissue properties as normal healthy tissue. In this final stage of the healing cascade is called remodeling, which new tissue is strengthened and organized into its final structure. This immature type 3 collagen is then converted to a more mature type of type 1 collagen. This process involves deposition and organization of collagen fibers, 
as well as the extracellular matrix components. Now I want to go ahead and talk about this platelet function that's really the focus of what we're talking about with platelet-rich plasma. As you all know, platelets are these small disc-shaped cells that play a crucial role in hemostasis. They form the plug at the site of injury to prevent further blood loss. These platelets are then activated by various signals, such as exposure to collagen, thrombin, and ADP. Once activated, platelets change shape, aggregate with other platelets, and then release a variety of substances promoting blood clotting, including thromboxane A2 and serotonin. Alpha granules are the active portion of the platelet we have focused on for PRP, but more recently, dense granules and the immunomodulatory effects have been of significant interest. So when we talk about alpha granules, these are small membrane-bound organelles within the platelets that contain a variety of proteins and other molecules involved in hemostasis, inflammation, and repair. They contain a plethora of growth factors and mediators in their alpha granules, such as platelet-derived growth factor, transforming growth factor, beta, and vascular endothelial growth factor. They also have cytokines, chemokines, and adhesive proteins that help regulate inflammation and wound healing. When they're activated, the contents of the alpha granules, as well as dense granules and lysosomes, are released into the surrounding tissue to promote platelet aggregation and wound healing. So, how does this work together? As we know, these PDGF initiates cows formation via chemotaxis, metagenesis, and fibrolysis and chondrocytes, along with chemotaxis of the missing stem cells. The promotion of the endothelial cell proliferation by PDGF also has an important role in angiogenesis or making new blood vessels. VEGF is involved in neovascularization through its strong endothelial chemokine and mitogenic properties. TGF-beta is also well established as a promoter of chondrogenesis, and this also stimulates osteogenic MSC-differentiated and undifferentiated mesenchymal cell proliferation. It regulates mitogenic effects on the other growth factors, and it inhibits macrophage and lymphocyte proliferation. The FGF family is also involved in multiple biologic processes, including osteoblastogenesis, growth and differentiation of chondrocytes and MSCs. IGF regulates the proliferation and maturation of these chondrocytes, and IGF-1 may downregulate expression of the program cell DAF5 or PDCD5, and thereby inhibiting apoptosis of osteoarthritic chondrocytes, as seen in arthritis. When looking at what other molecules and growth factors and chemokines come from platelets, we want to talk about ADP, which is adenosine diphosphate, ATP, adenosine triphosphate, TNF-alpha, or tumor necrosis factor, serotonin, von Willemann's factor, PDGF, which is platelet-derived growth factors, transforming growth factor, VEGF, is vascular endothelial growth factor, FGF, fibroblast growth factor, EGF is epidermal growth factor, CTGF, connective tissue growth factor, HGF, which is hepatocyte growth factor, KGF is keratinocyte growth factor, IGF is insulin-like growth factor, 
temp or tissue inhibitor of metalloproteinase, and then P's, which is a matrix metalloproteases, F, which is a coagulation factor, beta thromoglobulin, neutrophil activating peptide, macrophage inflammatory protein, stromal cell derived factor, factor C, which is a complement protein, and immunoglobulin. So these are all growth factors and stimulating factors that are active in platelet degranulation. These substances act by converting platelet activation and transformation. This includes histamine, ADP phosphates, and epinephrine. It's also worth noting that several of the constituents are capable of modulating the immune system cells. Particularly, platelet ADP is identified by dendritic cells, leading to an increased antigen endocytosis. Dendritic cells are vital cells in T-cell immune responses and navigate the protective immune response by linking this innate and adaptive immune system. T-cell migration and differentiation of the monocytes into dendritic cells are stimulated by other platelet-dense granule constituents such as glutamate and 5-HT. Potentially, PRP has considerable immune regulatory and modifying effects as these dense granule-derived immune modifiers are significantly increased in concentrated PRP preparations. So what is this PRP process? The basic principle is that you separate the liquid and the solid whole blood components, which is achieved by centrifugation or gravity filtration, and is determined by their size and the difference between their densities and that of the surrounding fluid. Leukocytes and RBCs are larger and more dense than platelets, and then therefore in centrifugation settle more quickly than platelets and plasma. And this is referred to as a soft spin at lower gravity or lower RCFs. Because platelets are smaller and less dense than leukocytes and RBCs, they require a hard spin to be it turned into a pellet during second spin centrifugation. So talking about PRP, I think it's really important to realize and understand that concentration has become a significant discussion about how effective different PRP preparations are. So we talk about this absolute platelet count, um, and, and this varies depending on the concentration in the subject's peripheral blood. These PRP devices that are used to manufacture PRP usually can be divided into this lower a concentration, two to three times baseline, and higher concentration systems. So historic literature um, based on bone and callus formation showed that there was maybe a complex relationship with concentration, and there was a sweet spot in the middle of uh, low concentration, medium concentration, high concentration. This has not been borne out in literature with osteoarthritis and tendinopathy currently. So to define platelet-rich plasma, the de definition that we use is platelet-rich plasma is just that, a volume of autologous plasma that has a platelet concentration above baseline. Normal platelet counts in blood range from 150 to 350 uh, excuse me, per microliter and average about 200,000 platelets per microliter. Because of the scientific proof of the bonus soft tissue healing enhancement that was seen in the 1990s with Dr. Marks, 
Uh, it has been shown using PRP with 1 million platelets per microliter. Uh, it is this concentration of platelets in a 5 ml volume of plasma, which is the working definition of PRP, or 5 times baseline. And this was put out in 2001 by Robert Marks, who was a dentist that was doing some of the uh, landmark uh, early work. Now, I need you to understand, it's just math. This concentration is just math. So if we take neural platelet count and we assume that it's 200,000 microliters, that's about 200 million platelets per ml if you do the math. And then we say PRP is between three and five times baseline of the platelet count for that individual, which bears saying that we need to know what that platelet count is. So this is a concentration of at least one times 10 to the six platelets per microliter. If you then calculate per milliliter, that equals one billion platelets per ml for concentration. And so if we're talking about the definition of platelet-rich plasma, we really do have to be talking about minimum of 1 billion platelets per ml. And then if we talk about the concentration within 5 ml, so 1 billion platelets per ml times 5 ml, this is 5 billion platelets as the definition of what PRP is. And if you fall below that, that may not be actual PRP. So there's a lot of proponents that 60cc blood draw will get you to an adequate dose of platelet-rich plasma. What is this magic 60cc number? So if you take 200 million, which is the platelet concentration, times 60 mLs of whole blood, you get 12 billion platelets in 60ccs. So if you have a smaller blood draw, then what we talk about uh, is that maybe you're not getting to that concentration. So if you take 30 cc's, you may only have 6 billion. Is that enough? It depends on what you're treating. If you take 10 cc's of blood, you have approximately 2 billion. And really, uh, that does fall below that definition of Dr. Marks of actual PRP. So recent data shows that there's efficacy for NeoA with a total platelet dose of 10 billion. And recent data looking at tendon applications in rotator cuff shows a total platelet dose of 5 billion as an efficacious dose. So what about the white blood cells? There's all this talk about leukocyte-rich versus leukocyte-poor. And I do think we have to be clear as to what we're talking about. So white blood cells can be classified into further separation of neutrophils and monocytes or macrophages, and lymphocytes. So we know that neutrophils are phagocytic and contain over 40 hydrolytic enzymes. Their activation leads to phagocytosis of debris, release of oxygen-free radicals, and proteases. This release of toxic molecules from the neutrophils can lead to secondary damage in tissues. And so we do talk about neutrophil-depleted as a type of platelet-rich plasma, or leukocyte-poor. Macrophages are the tissue form of the circulating monocytes, and their role is to remove debris, and they are primarily phagocytic. However, they also have a role in balancing the pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory aspects of healing depending on their conformation of M1 versus M2 
And that is a theory or a thought on how platelet-rich plasma can actually become anti-inflammatory is by tripping this conformation from an M1 monocyte to an M2 monocyte or macrophage. There are some classifications um, when we're talking about PRP, and I do think if we're going to be doing research, and even if you are documenting use of platelet-rich plasma in the chart or in your in your office, it bears at least classifying what type of PRP you're using. So the initial one was the Urnfast, which just identified is it leukocyte-poor versus leukocyte-rich, and is it platelet-rich plasma versus platelet-rich fibrin. The second one was the PAW, which counted platelet activation in white blood cells, and it started to delineate, was it below baseline, was it above baseline, it was it greater than uh, 1.25 million, and then talking about white blood cells, total neutrophil count, less than, equal to, or greater than baseline. The PLRA system is platelet, leukocyte, red blood cell, and activation. And this just discusses the number of platelets, number of leukocytes, what is the contamination of red blood cells, and was it activated. The DEPA talks about dose, purity, platelet count, and activation. And this is total platelet dose, as well as purity or percent recovery with red blood cell contamination, actual count of the platelets, and was it activated. The most recent is this MARS bill, which is method, either mechanical or hand-processed, activation, red blood cells, type of spin, platelet concentration, was image guidance used, leukocyte status, and was it activated. So there is no one single classification, but it does bear in mind that we do have to know a little bit more than is it just PRP and is it just leukocyte-rich versus leukocyte-poor. And so I did want to bring all of these items to the forefront of your mind and share with you a little bit more in depth that it's not just a blood draw, put it in this magic box, and then pixie dust comes out the other side. And so there is some nuance to it, but honestly, it definitely uh, is attainable. Thank you so much for joining, and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Have a great day. This has been the Business of Orthobiologics podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to know more, please join us on the website prp-now.com and click on the free masterclass. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get more guidance on integrating PRP in your busy practice. Bye for now.